Hey everybody, this is Hunter Howard. I'm the lead pastor of Encounter Church. Here at Encounter Church, our vision is helping people encounter God. And that's what I pray and hope for you today, that you will encounter God through this message. Enjoy. Buenos dias. Good morning. And hello, how are you to our online family? You know, as much as I want to tell you all about what happened in Cuba at our gospel invasion last weekend, I'm going to practice self-control and not tell you everything this morning because our own in-house evangelist, Pastor Felicia, next Sunday is going to be sharing a lot of that with us, okay? So come back next Sunday to hear all about what happened in Cuba. It was amazing. If you were here on Wednesday night, we did talk uh, a good bit about it, but it was amazing what God did there last weekend through you guys' generosity and prayers. Well, it's a big joy for me to share God's word with you uh, this morning, and as always, you can follow the outline of the message through your Bible app, or there's printed outlines there in the box in the back. Can you believe there are only 42 days left in 2023? Just six weeks from today left in 2023, which means we're in the final stretch of Thank you, Pastor Caleb. <laughs> final stretch of 2023. So we're in the final stretch of Christology. Can anybody tell me, before we get it on the screen, can anybody tell me, at first in English, the 2023 theme verse by memory? All right, Trinity, come on. Let's hear it for, let's hear it for loud youth over here. All right. Ready? I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, Revelation 1.8. She got it. Alguien lo puede decir en español. <laughs> really? No. Okay, okay. Come on, come on. We got Wendy, 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 Wendy. Yo soy el alfa y el omega, el principio y el final. Apocalipsis 1:8. Hey, let's hear it for Wendy. Come on, let's declare it all together in English first. I am the alpha and the omega. Revelation, y en español yo soy el alfa y la omega, el principio y el fin, Apocalipsis 1.8. And because Jesus is the beginning and the end, all year long as we read through the Bible, we are? That's right, because he is the whole point. To know Jesus is the whole point of the Bible, right? Well, as we continue... Finding Jesus from cover to cover. We've been kind of going sequentially through the Old Testament and seeing how we see Jesus all throughout history uh, in the Old Testament leading us to his coming, right? And lately we've been in the kings and the prophets. Come on, say kings and prophets. So we learn from the prophet Samuel, the first major prophet. We, we learned, we found Jesus through King David, King Solomon. Pastor Caleb taught us out of the prophets Isaiah and Ezekiel, right? And today we're going to turn our attention to Elijah and Elisha. Who's ready? Question. Quality over quantity or quantity over quality? Who prefers Quantity over quality. Who prefers quality over quantity? Wait, well, what if we can have both? How about 
How about lots and lots and lots of really, really good stuff? Yeah? Yes? Come on, say quality and quantity. Puck your neighbor and say, you can have both. All right. Let me tell you a little bit about Elijah and Elisha. Just by show of hands, you know, we read this not too long ago in our Bible reading plan, which, by the way, we're going to get to January, and we will start all over again, all together, reading through the Bible together in 2024, all right? But as we've read through the Bible together in 2023, we read about Elijah and Elisha not too long ago, and Elijah was a very, um, let's just say, bold prophet. Elijah was bold. If there was anybody bold in the prophet, it was Elijah, right? He confronted some of the most evil leaders in the history of Israel. The king, Ahab, and his wife, the witch, Jezebel. Very good, okay? And he, he confronted them. He, he told them the truth. He held them accountable. And he did crazy miracles. I mean, one thing that Elijah did was said, because you're so evil, Ahab, Jezebel, Israel, it's not going to rain until I say so. And it didn't rain a drop for three plus years. Okay? A terrible drought that was judgment on the evil and the wickedness of Israel. He did so many more crazy miracles like raising the dead and stuff like that. But I just think of this. Come uh, the end of, of, of the time when the drought was going to be over and God was going to do his thing, right? One of the craziest things Elijah did was that he challenged Israel's biggest idol. Anybody remember his name? Baal, okay, or Baal, however you want to say it. Baal. He said, I'm going to show Israel who God really is. And so he invites all the prophets of Baal up on a mountain. He's like, let's offer a sacrifice, and you call on your God, and I'll call on the real God, and let's see what happens. And we know that, they, that all the prophets of Baal, they, you know, run around and jump and cut themselves and do all kinds of stuff. And Elijah's over there making fun of them, but Baal must be in the bathroom, right? He must be on vacation. Nothing happens, and then he calls on Yahweh, and boom, fire comes down from heaven and consumes the sacrifice and licks up the water and all that. If you've never read that story, go read it. All right? First Kings. And then, um, after that, he says, okay, now it's going to rain. And after three years of drought, fire coming down from heaven, he goes up on the mountain. He prays. He prays. You know, he's prays through. He prays seven times. And he sees one little cloud the size of a fist. He said, here it comes. And just like that, a terrific rainstorm comes so much that they had to run, right, to get back Away from the flood, right? I mean, Elijah was crazy. Elijah was bold. Come on, say bold. Well, after, you know, in the midst of all this, the Lord tells him, um, you know, long story short, Elijah wasn't going to live forever, right? He had to disciple, to mentor, to raise up a prophet, another prophet that was going to take uh, his place and be his successor. And his name was? Elisha. Come on, say Elijah. Elisha. So Elijah goes and calls Elisha to be his disciple, right? To, to train him to become prophet in his place in the future. And when Elisha leaves everything behind, 
immediately and follows Elijah. Sound familiar? Okay, Elijah calls Elisha, and Elisha leaves everything behind. He even burns his plows that he used, right? That was his work to go follow Jesus, just uh, to go follow Elijah, just like the fishermen left their nets to follow Jesus, right? Anybody seen a little bit of Christology yet? Okay, and so Elisha follows Elijah. We see a disciple-mentor uh, relationship between them. And then in 2 Kings... Chapters 1 and 2. Ready? You following along with me? Are we all together? Elijah completes his purpose um, and is going to actually ascend into heaven. Elijah is one of the two men in the Bible we read through history that he didn't die. God just took him. The first was Enoch. Then it was Elijah, right? Okay. We're going to read about it here in just a second. But he's going to ascend. Elijah completes his purpose, and he's going to ascend into heaven and pass his ministry on to this group called the School of Prophets. Come on. Anybody else seeing something familiar here? He's going to ascend and pass his ministry on. Yes? Okay. Purpose complete. And then he knows he's about to go. He knows he's about to go to heaven with the Lord. I, I can't imagine he knew how it was going to happen. <laughs> but there comes a point where he's like, okay, Elisha, I'm done. I'm going to go on, and you can go your own way. What does Elisha tell him? I'm not going anywhere. I'm going to stay with you. Okay. Elijah keeps on going, doing his thing. He turns to Elisha again, and he says, Elisha. I'm going to go on over here. You can go on and do your thing. You can, you can go on. You can go your way. And Elisha says, no, no, no. I'm going to stay with you. He actually says, I'll never leave you. Let's go to 2 Kings chapter 2. Then Elijah said to Elisha, stay here, for the Lord has told me to go to the Jordan River. So this is the third time, all right? But again, Elisha replied, as surely as the Lord lives and you and yourself live, I will never leave you. So they went on together. Fifty men from the group of prophets, also called the school of prophets, if you read it in other translations, also went and they did what? But from where? They watched from a distance. Very important. They watched from a distance as Elijah and Elisha Stopped beside the Jordan River. Then Elijah folded his cloak together and struck the water with it. The river divided, and the two of them went across on dry ground. I mean, we're talking Moses-level miracles that Elijah did. He parted the water and crossed the river, okay? Big deal, very big miracles that Elijah did. When they came to the other side, Elijah said to Elisha, Tell me. What I can do for you before I'm taken away. And Elisha replied, please let me inherit a double share of your spirit and become your successor. Come on, say double share. You've asked a difficult thing, Elijah replied. Now listen, not difficult because it was hard for God to give Elisha a double share. And it wasn't even hard for Elijah to say, sure, here you go. 
have it. It was a difficult thing because there was a price to pay. There was some requirement for Elisha, and he had to, he had to, he had to do it, okay? It's a hard thing. And then he continued, if you see me, Elijah said, when I'm taken from you, then you'll get your request. But if not, you won't, okay? As they were walking along and talking, we don't know how much later this was. We just know that sometime after this, they were walking along and talking. A, suddenly, a chariot of fire appeared. Imagine. Drawn by horses of fire. The Bible's boring. Better than any novel I've ever read. And this is all true. It drove between the two men, separating them. And Elisha was carried away by a whirlwind into heaven. I mean, this is way better than Twister. <laughs> Twister didn't have no fire. I mean, angels come, fiery horses, and, and then comes a tornado, and I'm, uh, like the cow in Twister. Adios, Elijah. Into heaven. He's gone. Elisha saw it. Elisha what? Oh. He did the hard thing. He saw it. And cried out, my father, my father. So we see there was a spiritual father, spiritual son type relationship between Elijah and Elisha. I see the chariots and charioteers of Israel. He what? He saw, right? And as they disappeared from sight, Elisha tore his clothes in distress. He wasn't happy. He wasn't like, woohoo, he's gone. Now it's my turn, right? This was, this was not a good moment for Elisha. His spiritual father, the one he had served and, 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 and been, you know, like his best friend all these years, he was gone all of a sudden. So he was distressed. But what happened is that it says that Elijah's cloak had fallen when he was taken up into the whirlwind. And I'm sorry, let's go back. Elisha picked it up, okay? Elisha picked up Elijah's cloak, which had fallen when he was taken up. Then Elisha returned to the bank of the Jordan River. What did he do? He did what he saw Elijah do, right? He was a good disciple. He, 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 he. He just tried to do what he saw his mentor do, right? That is what we're supposed to try to do with Jesus. Okay. So what happens is amazing. It says he cried out, where's the Lord? The God of Elijah. Then the river divided and Elijah went across. I mean, and Elisha went across. There's a lot to this, and I'm going to give you a good bit today. Are you ready to get a, get a lot today? But I want to just tell you something real simple first, okay? In order to receive the double share, Elisha had to stay with Elijah. Close enough to actually see him when he was taken. Not just, I'm with you, I got you, Elijah, right? To be with him close enough to see when he was taken. 
Let me tell you a little bit about this whole idea of the double share or the double portion, okay? It's important, remember, that when we read the Bible to understand the Bible was not written in English or Spanish or whatever language you speak, unless you speak Old Testament Hebrew. Got anybody? Okay. When Elisha requested the double share of Elijah's spirit, it did not mean, let me have double the amount you have. That's not what he said. Okay? Hebrew, Old Testament Hebrew language, double share, double portion does not equal double the amount. Okay? It means a double part of the inheritance. Okay? This was biblical, ancient, Middle Eastern father-son language. Okay? Another better way even to say this, for us to understand it, would be the firstborn portion or the birthright. A greater percentage of shares of the inheritance. Maybe let's say Elijah had five shares to give. Elisha was saying, give me two of them. Don't just give me one, give me two. Okay, come on, say birthright. First fruits. The first portion. Okay? So this is what Elisha was asking for. Now, it's very important to understand that in this culture, the firstborn son in a family had this thing called the birthright. And that meant that when the father was going to pass away, when the father passed away, he left an inheritance to all of his children. But the firstborn son would receive the double or the greater share of the inheritance. Again, if I have five kids and I pass away, my firstborn, I would leave two million of my five million dollars, right? Amen, glory, hallelujah. I'm not having any more kids. Y'all are enough to handle. All right. I'm not calling you kids, but my kids in a church is enough to handle. All right. <laughs> Why? Why did the firstborn son receive a double share? Have you ever thought of that? It's not just partiality. Because the firstborn son would have both the privilege and the responsibility of carrying on the family name and legacy. Okay? It's so important. Remember, who traded his birthright for nothing? Oh, Esau, remember? I mean, I, I don't know. I can't say this for sure because I know God is sovereign. and he, you know, he, But imagine if Esau wouldn't have done that. We might not be talking about the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. We might be talking about the God of Abraham, Isaac, and, and Esau. But he traded his birthright. He traded his double share for the things of the world, for comfort, for temporary stuff. Hmm. So what Elijah was saying was, look, Eli Elisha was saying, Elijah, I know there's this whole school of prophets. There's this whole group of prophets. But when you pass on, 
Could I have the double portion? Could I have the double? Could I have the greater share of what you have to give? Could I be considered your firstborn? Could I have the birthright so that I can do greater things? And we know that this is exactly what happened. We can see earlier in this story, right? Again, that there were there was this there were many others in the school of prophets, but we don't really after the, we don't hear too much about the school of prophets. I mean, they're kind of there, they're here, and they're there, and it's also it's kind of like this weird mystical thing that's going on. You, you don't hear about the group of prophets, the school of prophets, doing very much. But boy, you hear about what Elisha does, right? I mean, literally. Let me just tell you a little bit, okay? So Elisha faithfully stayed with and faithfully served Elijah until he was taken. And if you continue reading the story, which you have if you've been reading through the Bible, Elisha, in fact, did receive a greater portion of the anointing that was on Elijah, and he got a bigger portion of the anointing than any other prophet. He did become Elijah's successor, and he did carry on Elijah's ministry to Israel, and he actually did read it, tally it up. He did double the miracles that Elijah did, and some of them even more impressive than Elijah's miracles. Just as impressive, some even more impressive, and double the amount. Come on, somebody say quality and quantity. So, who did Jesus invite to be with him, to follow him closely, all the way up to the moment he ascended, all the way through him fulfilling his purpose in the earth and ascending back to the Father? Who did Jesus invite? Mark 3, it says that he invited a certain group of people to be with him, to accompany him, to follow him closely. We know that thousands of people followed Jesus around. Many of them actually were his disciples. But who did he invite to follow him up close and personal? You're right, the 12, right? The 12 disciples, which became the 12 apostles. Actually, who did he say would receive a greater portion and do greater works. In this case, it was all his disciples. And after the cross and the resurrection, whom did Jesus tell to stay and wait? Until they did receive the greater portion, the gift from heaven. The disciples. The disciples. So let me just put this up here. This is just some good biblical theology for you, okay? This is Christology. Elijah, Elisha, and the double portion leads us to or points us to Jesus, the disciples, and the greater works he said that we would do. Elijah and Elisha, a discipleship relationship, right, a faithful one, led to Elisha getting the double portion. That points us to what Jesus was going to do with his disciples. And he said we, his disciples, would do greater works. And he actually said we would get 
a greater portion. I'm going to show you here in just a minute. Maybe you're saying, what in the world are you talking about? Let's look at John 14, 12. Jesus said, I tell you the truth. Anyone who believes in me will do the same works. Come on, say quality. I have done and even greater works. Come on, say quantity. Because I'm going to the Father. I'm going to be with the Father, right? The Amplified, I love the way it says, I assure you and most solemnly say to you. I mean, this was serious what Jesus was telling them. Anyone who believes in me as Savior will also do the things that I do. And he will do even greater things than these in extent and outreach. Because I'm going to the Father. Come on, say quality and quantity. Now, this is the deal. Jesus was not necessarily saying we would do greater miracles, right? I mean, probably nothing more impressive than walking on water. Like, I mean, that's pretty high quality. <laughs> I mean... I mean, what, what was it, Philip, who was, like, beamed up and translated, like, from one place to another? I mean, that's, that's pretty crazy, right? Peter's shadow healed people, okay? But that, that's not the point. Jesus wasn't saying, I've done these great miracles. You guys are going to do miracles that are even more wow, right? That's not what he was saying. What he was saying is this. More of us would do his works. Greater means more works and more people doing the works. You'll do greater works because I go to the Father. What he said is you'll do the same works. We're going to talk about a few of them here in just a second. And even greater works, and the Amplified gives us the, the, the Greek translation, in extent and outreach, in other words, more of them. Why? Because Jesus was one man, yes, God in the flesh, but one man who walked the earth, lived 33 years, and only three years he did all this stuff. But he says, I'm going to go back to the Father, and you're going to do my same works, but even greater. More works and more people doing the works. Come on, say, I am one of those people. Let's think just for a minute about Jesus' works. I want to know what's your favorite thing Jesus did. Let me tell you some of my favorites. Rescuing wedding parties. Healing sick bodies. Opening blind eyes. Unstopping deaf ears. Raising dead bodies, cleansing unclean lepers, feeding hungry bellies, forgiving guilty adulterers, thieves, and betrayers. Running off harassing demons, blessing precious children, restoring broken hearts, breaking cultural and racial barriers, speaking people's true identity, teaching truth that set people free, and empowering a bunch of knuckleheaded disciples. And the list goes on and on. That's just a few of my favorites. Jesus works. He did so many and so many different types of works. Some were works of the heart. Some were works of truth. Some were works of power. Now, although, again, some of the miracles later done by the church were... 
right? Again, like, hello, shadow. I've still not healed anyone with my shadow yet. I have prayed for a handkerchief before, and that healed somebody, okay? I still haven't multiplied food, but it's coming. (laughs) You'll be invited, okay? But I have seen God take, listen, I have seen God take the little that we've given him and multiply it and do things that are way beyond our ability. Again, wait for some testimonies next week about Cuba. And you've heard many others in the way God has multiplied our little, medium-sized now church to do. Let me just tell you one. We have, on a really, really good Sunday, 200 people in our church. But this church, on a regular basis, feeds and disciples over 300 kids in Cuba. That's multiplication. That's one of Jesus' works. And there are many others we're called to do. So this is the point. The point isn't necessarily that our miracles are going to be more impressive than Jesus' miracles. The point is more of us doing his works. More of us doing the works of Jesus. That's called the greater portion. Come on, somebody say the greater portion. The double share. Our birthright. You might not get it yet. But one more time, say quality and quantity. But how, you might ask. I'm glad you asked. John chapter 16. I'm going to read it from the Amplified. But I tell you, Jesus is speaking, it's to your advantage that I go away. And the disciples were like, say what? You're leaving, Jesus? It's actually better, he said. It's to your advantage. For if I do not go away, the helper, comforter, advocate, intercessor, counselor, strengthener, stand by will not come to you, but if I go, I will send him, the Holy Spirit, who, by the way, is our greater portion. To you, to be in close fellowship with you. I have many more things to say to you. Oh, it's about to get better. Hold on, that was good, but it's about to get better. I have many more things to say to you, but you can't bear to hear them now. But when he, the Spirit of truth, comes, he'll guide you into all the truth, full and complete Truth. Come on, say greater portion. He will not speak on his own initiative, but he will speak whatever he hears from the Father, the message regarding his Son. And he will disclose to you. Come on, say to me. He will disclose to you what is to come in the future. He will glorify and honor me. Jesus is talking about himself. Because he, the Holy Spirit, will take what is mine and disclose it to you. What did Jesus say? I only do what I see my Father doing. The Father disclosed everything to Jesus. So that, listen, so that Jesus could do it. Not just so he could know it. In the same way, the Holy Spirit takes everything from Jesus 
and discloses it to us so that we can do it. Not just know it, do it. Or look at me, at least die trying. That's, what, that's my motto. I don't know if I'm going to get to do everything Jesus did, but I'm going to die trying. I'm going to live my whole life trying to do everything. Okay? The Holy Spirit takes everything that belongs to Jesus and he discloses it. He shows it to us. And the amazing thing is the Father didn't just show Jesus ideas. The Father showed him how to do it. And in the same way the Holy Spirit doesn't just show us Jesus stuff. He shows us how to do the works. Sorry if I'm extra excited. But I'm excited about this today. He gives us the ability to do the works of Jesus so we can heal sick bodies, unstop deaf ears, forgive guilty people, feed hungry bellies, bless thousands of children, take the gospel to the nations, and oh yes, empower multitudes of knuckle-headed disciples. Come on, say one more time, I is one. Okay. Sorry for the translator for that one. <laughs> Listen. I'm going to go quickly with the rest of this. This is so important. So important. It's crazy. Pastor RJ leading is talking about changing our perspective. Then Liz talks about, you know, Jesus showing, disclosing stuff to us. The Holy Spirit is, is he just talking, right? We've got to change our perspective on this. The Holy Spirit isn't just an experience we have. The Holy Spirit isn't just something that, uh, yeah, just makes you speak in tongues. I mean, I mean, he does that. And if you haven't, that's probably going to happen to you today. We're gonna, the Holy Spirit is going to move in this place. Okay? He's here. But the Holy Spirit is your double portion. The Holy Spirit is our double share. The Holy Spirit is our greater portion. Given to us by Jesus from the Father. He's the Spirit of the Father and the Son. And just as the, Jesus knew everything the Father was doing and did it, by the way, by the power of the Holy Spirit. <laughs> he takes everything that belongs to Jesus, which, by the way, is... From the Father. And then he shows it to us and shows us how to do it. Could we just lift our hands for a moment and say, Holy Spirit, you're my greater portion. Now I'm going to go back to what I explained to you in the beginning. The Holy Spirit is actually the first fruits of our salvation and a foretaste of new Creation. The Holy Spirit is just a little, yeah, an appetizer of all that's to come in new creation and the new heavens and the new earth. 
of all that we'll be doing. What we do now in this life by the Holy Spirit is just, it's just an appetizer. It's just a foretaste. And the Bible actually calls him our first fruits. He's our birthright. Listen, the Holy Spirit is actually our inheritance. Maybe you've read it. The Holy Spirit is actually the one who comes into your heart and stamps your heart or seals your heart and says, that's my daughter, that's my son. He's our inheritance. He's our birthright. He's the first fruits of our salvation. Romans 8.23 says it like this, and not only this, but we too, this is the amplified, we too who have the first fruits of the Spirit, a joyful indication of the blessings to come. Even we groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for the sign of our adoption as sons. Look at here. This is father-son language. This is inheritance language. He's our inheritance. The redemption and transformation of our body at the resurrection. Everybody said hallelujah to that, right? NLT says it like this. And we believers also groan even though we have the Holy Spirit within us as a foretaste. A future glory. We have been given the double share. The greater portion. We now have the spirit of Jesus with us. In us. And if you're baptized in the Holy Spirit. Upon us. Come on say with me. In me. Upon me. If you've been to the encounter retreat, you know we do this. Come on, say, he's with me, he's in me, he's on me. Turn to your neighbor and say, he's with you, he's in you. Now slap him on the head, say, he's upon you. If you have the Holy Spirit, if you have the Holy Spirit, who just, who loves the Holy Spirit? He's here right now with us, in us, upon us. If you have the Holy Spirit, you are anointed. To do Jesus' works and to carry on his ministry and legacy. And listen, you don't need anything else. You don't need a Bible degree. You need to read your Bible so you can, you know, he can show you stuff. You don't, you don't need, you don't need some special prophet to lay his hands on you. You don't need to have extraordinary talents or abilities or a bunch of money or the greater portion that each of us needs to do the works of Jesus has already been given to us. Sometimes we just don't know that. We just forget. Or we just treat the Holy Spirit as some sort of experience. 
rather than the power to do Jesus' works. Now, believe me, he will fill you, and it will be an experience. An ongoing, lifelong, more and more and more of an experience. But the fullness of the Holy Spirit is to give us the power, the ability to do the greater works. And good news, there's a lot of us now. There's more people in this room than Jesus' first discipleship group who turned the world upside down. You're anointed. Come on, say, I'm anointed. Lift your hands one more time. Say, Holy Spirit, you're my inheritance. You're my birthright. You're my greater portion. I welcome you. I love you. I honor you. I need you. And we do right now, Holy Spirit, just give you honor in this place. Just give me another minute or two. This is so important. The disciples had to stay with Jesus. Until the ascension. And then they had to stay in Jerusalem. <laughs> to receive the Holy Spirit. Acts 1 says they were eating once Jesus was eating with them, and he commanded them, don't leave. Does it sound like Elijah? Don't leave. Don't leave Jerusalem until the Father sends you the gift he promised. As I told you before, John baptized with water. But in just a few days, you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. This is the key. Stay faithful. And stay close to Jesus. So close. That you can see what he's doing. So close. So focused. That you can see. What he discloses to us. If not. Church will be doing a bunch of nonsense. Now, I don't know about you. But life is short. To just do what we think. We need it to be disclosed to us from Jesus. And the Holy Spirit will do that for you. He'll show you what to do, where to go, what to say. Jeez, he'll even put the words in your mouth sometimes. <laughs> I've experienced this since I've been filled with the Holy Spirit. And sometimes I feel way more enabled than other times and it always has to do with how close and how faithful and how much I'm watching how much I'm keeping my eye on him as Elisha had to be close enough to Elijah to see him taken to 
see him ascend, to see that cloak fall down and pick it up, right? We've got to stay faithful. We've got to stay close. We've got to keep our heart focused, our eyes on Jesus to receive the Holy Spirit. This is the good thing. If you stay close to Jesus, his spirit will get all over you. I mean, listen, if you're born again, he's in you. But I'm talking about the anointing. If you're born again, if you've made Jesus the Lord of your life, the Holy Spirit lives in you. But he promised the Holy Spirit would come upon us. His power, his supernatural ability to do what we can't do. And if you stay close enough to him, his spirit will just get you. And I don't know about you, but I want to get got. Sorry again to the translator. Get God. Lord have mercy. Just to summarize this and wrap it up. Number one, the Holy Spirit is our greater portion. Number two, the Holy Spirit empowers us to carry on Jesus' works. His legacy, his ministry in the earth. And number three, the Holy Spirit is poured out upon those who stay close to Jesus. Jesus said in John 14 to his disciples, if you love me, what do you tell him? Obey me. If you love me, obey me. In other words, stay close. <laughs> stay faithful. Stay near. Don't follow from a distance. Don't, don't listen. Don't be like the school of prophets that was just looking from a distance and marveling at what was happening. Be like Elisha who was like, I'll never leave you. I'm going to stay so close to you that even when the tornado comes and takes you away, I'm going to be right there watching. That's how close I want to be to Jesus. I want to see what he's doing. I want to know where he's going. And I want to go too. If you love me, obey my commandments. And I'll ask the Father and he'll give you another advocate who will never leave you. He's the Holy Spirit who leads into all truth. The world can't receive him because it isn't looking for him. It doesn't recognize him. But you know him because he lives with you now and later will be in you. I want to ask just for the next few minutes if we could avoid getting up and down, going in and out. I want to ask you a question today. Could be a very important moment for some folks. And then we're going to move into a ministry time, but I just want I want to give this opportunity first. If everyone, yeah, we could just we could just bow our heads and close our eyes. Before any of us could say, "Yeah, I want to do Jesus' works. I want to. I want. I want the greater portion. I want the Holy Spirit. I want. I want that. What you're talking about? I want that." You got to take the first step first, which is to believe and to decide to follow Jesus as Lord. And here's the promise. 
If you turn away from sin and turn your heart to Jesus, the Holy Spirit will come inside you. And he'll make you a new person. Come on and say that one more time. If you make the decision to turn away from sin and turn your heart to Jesus, this Holy Spirit we're talking about, who's here right now in our midst, He'll come inside of you. And He'll make you a new person. He'll make you a child of God. And today, the invitation is to surrender to Jesus. To make a decision to follow Jesus. In just a few moments, I'm going to pray for everyone who's never been baptized in the Holy Spirit. To be baptized in the Holy Spirit today. But we can't get to that unless first you are born again. Have you made the decision to turn away from this world, from sin and from darkness... And to give your life totally to Jesus. The Holy Spirit wants to come into you today. Thank you so much for tuning in today. I really believe God spoke to you through His Word today and is moving in your life. If you'd like more information about Encounter Church or you'd like to give your tithes and offerings, you can visit our website at EncounterChurchAtlanta.org. I'd also like to invite you to share this message on social media. Thanks again.